21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. The first question could be, is there anything entrepreneurs can learn from skiing? From skiing? From snow skiing? Yes, because you are passionate about skiing. I think there's some interesting things that you could correlate with almost any sport, but skiing in general, I think, you know, there's a risk of, 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 um, of, uh, danger, of course, you know, and, and, you know, when you, when you, when you think about it, you know, maybe you're going to a ski resort, you're, you're on the slopes, you know, that's one thing, right. But once you venture outside, maybe into the trees or, you know, you're kind of all on your own and, and a lot of what you do, um, you know, out on the mountain to, to, you know, to survive, you know, those decisions you make, those split second decisions, I think um, could, could frankly correlate to, to, um, you know, to a business. I think a lot of it is in trusting in yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Trusting, you know, that turn on the mountain, making sure, you know, like, like, okay, uh, I got to trust that I'm going to turn, but not only here, but I'm going to make the next turn, which is the harder of the two turns, right? I mean, I think that, you know, you could correlate that to business as well. You know, the, the, you make a pivot, let's say in, in a business, but that's probably not going to be your last pivot. You know, it's the next one. That's really the, the one that, that, you know, maybe, you know, saves the ship, so to speak. What are the benefits and drawbacks uh, of dropping out of high school? Gosh, the benefits and drawbacks of dropping out of high school. The benefits are, is, uh, you know, you don't have any parents to guide you. (laughs) The drawbacks are, there's no one to guide you, right? Um, (laughs) You know, so you're kind of off on your own. And and I think when you, you know, in my case, not only did I drop out out of school, but I was living on my own. And I think when you combine those two things together, it's really about surviving. Now, uh-huh. you know, I, I come from a, a family of, you know, reasonable, uh, you know, I wouldn't say we were a crazy wealthy family, but, you know, we weren't, we weren't bad off. I always know that I could go home, right? So, uh-huh. so let's just get that out of the, out of the way, right? But that said, I didn't want to go home, right? Uh-huh. I didn't want to go back to the family. So, so in a sense, it's like kind of sink or swim environment, right? You have to, you have to, again, going back to that trust thing, right? At a young age, I had to just trust that, that I could make it and that, you know, that a little perseverance, a little heads down, you know, maybe, you know, my, the money that I was making didn't always go to the landlord, right? And maybe it went to something else. But, but at the end of the day, I had to trust that I was going to, to succeed and, you know, and make it in life. personality qualities do you believe where to blame uh, for skipping high school and which ones are helping you now in your business yeah you know i i would say that when when i was uh when i was growing up my mother taught me to be incredibly you know self-sufficient right i she 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 really drilled into me you know you know be you know be responsible for yourself you know do your own things in a way that that set me up for a a, a career of of being self-driven right uh-huh. 
The downside to that is I'm so self-driven, you know, I'm not always the best employee, right? I'm the disruptor. I'm always asking the questions. I'm always saying, well, what, why do we do it like that? Could we do it better? Could we do it different? So it takes a, it t- you know, to, to manage me, right? It takes a little bit of finagling. Not only am I a crazy artist, you know, a little bit rebellious, all of those things kind of all wrapped in one, but then you kind of have to manage me and kind of keep me, keep me in line. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Um, uh, it's gotten me this far, so I'm, I'm okay with it, I guess. And what is your approach to disruption in industry, by the way? Yeah, my dip- my approach to disruption, that's a good question. I don't know that I have a, um, an approach, like a full-fledged approach. I think that I'm always questioning whether or not, you know, like, why do we do it this way, right? And even in my own self, you know, why do I get up in the morning and, you know, take a shower first thing and have a cup of coffee? Like, who made that, right? Who who decided that, right, that that was the way? So I think having this openness to being willing to look at things another way. I also think uh, technology plays a big role in it. It's constantly changing, right? So therefore, our lives are constantly changing and the way we do things are constantly changing. I wish, you know, companies like Apple would stop changing, you know, their, uh, their you know, their, their methods. Because every time I look at that thing, it's like a new font or a new this. It's very confusing. So you kind of have to adapt. You have to be able to adjust, you know, in any which way. Um, I think that's really important. I also, you know, I, 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 I'm a disruptor in the furniture industry, right? This is a bunch of like archaic, you know, old guys that basically set up this business, you know, in North Carolina way, way back in the day. So, you know, to disrupt that, to, to push the buttons of that is, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's not, you know, these guys are set in their ways. And so, you know, I don't know. Look, how disruptive am I? I, I I'm in the scheme of things, I'm not. You know, I'm mm. I'm just trying to get a sofa delivered in a reasonable time and 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 provide all the things that that you know people want when they purchase something and and really change that method of of you know buying a sofa shouldn't be a drag. You know, I always say it mm. shouldn't suck. Right? It should be fun. It's a big purchase. Regarding buying sofa, what companies uh, would you take analogs from and what to stand out from? Huh, what companies? Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, my previous employer, Restoration Hardware, RH, you know, Gary Friedman, the CEO of RH, you know, he's he's done a, a lot of amazing things. You know, he's almost not anti, you know, online sales, but he's you know, that's not his, his thing. His thing is building these giant stores and, and presenting this, this brand in a way. I, I think there's a lot to take from that, right? How we present the brand, whether it's online or in store. So I, I, I find a lot of inspiration from, from, what, from what he's done. And, you know, he's been my boss multiple times, you know, in my career. So I do appreciate him. I think there's some other people that, that have also, um, that maybe I wouldn't follow, you know, uh, Lazy Boy, a good example, right? They're, they're, they are a company that, you know, is kind of, while they're a public company, they're very successful. They're much more successful than I am. But I think there's, there's you know, a group of us that are whittling away at them, right? They're, 
you know, they're the old lazy boy recliner, right? How does a company like that stay stay fresh? And and so I, I well, I don't look down on them, but I, I, I certainly don't watch them to, to figure out which direction I should be headed. Regarding the direction, what do you think sets uh, Benchmade Modern apart from other furniture brands? I think the main thing that sets us apart would be, you know, really our timeline, uh, our custom. You know, we make a custom sofa within five inch increments, you know, made in four to five weeks, right? Nowadays, you know, that that's happening in, in here, here in the United States. That's like a six month you know, wait time. And so we're doing it, you know, in a quarter of that time. Uh, and I, I think that that that's one of the things that makes us different. I'll tell you the thing that makes us different that that I don't think that most people realize. And this is really a personal pet peeve of mine. I try to put the best possible materials, what I call under the hood. So if you take a sofa online and you look at Mar sofa and their sofa online, it looks the same really i mean they're not that much different looking but when you get that sofa home you can tell a whole difference of them and i it's it's somewhat of a selfish uh, thing right i i put the best materials in the product because i don't really want to ever hear from you again i mean honestly you know i don't want to hear you know come back oh it just didn't work that you know it's like that's that actually cost me more money um and and i think that at that point we're not turning that customer into a brand advocate right they're not actually out there saying this thing is awesome so i spend a little bit more money on materials and um and at the end of the day i think we have a better quality product and i don't think people you know maybe we don't even do a great job of really explaining that um but i think that uh it, it's what really makes us different uh, compared to some of our competitors I think the question that they're asking is, is when I started the company, you know, what was I like? What was it like, right? And then, and then from there, you know, we've grown throughout the years, right? And now what is it like? And I think in the beginning, you know, when I very first started, you know, we were, I was making furniture. I mean, you know, we've even made furniture in our backyards as we've struggled with, you know, ups and downs and, you know, making it and not making it success and failures and all that. I am a creative person, you know, in, in, just inherently I'm creative, right? That's like, I reek of it. As I've gotten, as our company has gotten bigger, some of that creativity has been stripped away because we can no longer pivot and make these changes as quickly as I would have back then. Uh -huh. um, on the flip side of that, it allows me, I, you know, I now have, the financing, the funds to be able to afford some of the things that we want to do. So do I have to be as creative, right? Do I have to find a hack? You know, back then I, I only found a hack, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to get my way there. Nowadays, you know, while I don't have the biggest budget, you know, of them all, I can find like a half hack, right? I can be a creative way to get to this point. And and I think that that's really the difference between then and now. I'm more comfortable now, right? I'm, you know, from a, I don't mean like a financial basis. I mean, mentally, I'm more comfortable, right? I'm not as worried, you know, that the company is going to die, 
right? Do we have enough money to pay the phone bill, um, you know, and pay the rent, right? I, I, that's not even on my brain anymore, right? Of course we do. But, you know, am I going to meet the goals that I've set out, you know, to meet that I have, I've told everyone I'm going to do? That's the new thing that's kind of on my mind on a more consistent basis these days. What about personality traits? Yeah. So for all those new entrepreneurs listening to us at this moment, are there any personality traits that you have that helped you in the process? Yes. Yeah. Personality traits are so important because everything is judged on that, right? So every interaction is based on, on um, you know, on, on, Every interaction is, every meeting is judged on that interaction, right? So, so maybe when I was younger, you know, I was a little bit more of a punk ass, right? I was a little bit more, you know, confrontational or, or judgmental. And maybe I wore that on my sleeve a little bit more. I think these days I'm a little bit less judgmental. I'm a little bit more reserved. I'm older, right? I'm, I'm actually just older. I'm a little wiser, right? I'm, I'm not as cocky as I as maybe I was uh, in the past. I think that there's there's a time when you get a little bit older, you start to kind of step back and say, you know what? I don't know everything. I'm, I'm not the best marketer. I'm not the best furniture designer. You know, I'm not even the best furniture maker, right? But I know what I don't know, right? And I'm willing to to let other people take a stab at it and let them shine instead of always being the one that has to outshine everybody. And regarding those guidelines, uh, any specific daily routine you have and what kind of mindset you think entrepreneur needs to have to succeed? I don't know that I have a daily um, regiment or, you know, I'm not one for the same thing over and over again. I do, I do, um, I, I, I do have an interesting story that I think is along those same lines that I can share with you. Um, I, I have felt, you know, in the last two years, we've all, you know, been avoiding COVID. You know, we've been at home. We've been, you know, sequ- you know, just locked down in so many different ways. I've lost some of that creativity. I call it a COVID slump, right? And 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 how do I get out of that COVID slump? And I, I spent some time, oh, I don't know, maybe it was a month ago, and I, I really started to kind of inward look at myself. You know, my wife was complaining, like, gosh, you know, come on, can you get to that old self where you're excited about everything? And, and I really realized, like, I'm just, I'm kind of in this slump. You know, how do I break myself out? So what did I do? So, so and this kind of where it ties back into regiment and, and you know, how do you, how do you maneuver your mentality one way or another? I went back to what inspired me, right? Mm-hmm. Street art, architecture, like photography, right? Those are the things that inspire me. So I went out on a daily basis and I would photograph those things. I would go to places that were particularly rich in that sort of, you know, um, graffiti and street art and, 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 and modern architecture. And I would, I would study those again. And lo and behold, it got me excited and it got me thrilled to actually 
like do the things that I'm good at. And it, it, and it really started to lift me up. And, and I hope, you know, it, it's gotten me out of that slump. I can feel it. You know, I'm not a hundred percent out and about, but I can definitely feel that, that, that moment of time when I focused on what used to get me excited, it worked and kind of, kind of brought me back to a, a creative and, and fun uh, entrepreneur. So your vibe and and the vibe of, of your teams, uh, any specific uh, words or uh, experiences uh, that are manifested in your products? Yeah, mon- manifested in my product. I mean, there's a lot of me within the brand. First of all, our, our brand tagline is rebellious luxury, right? What is rebellious luxury, right? That's something that is is very dear to me. I'm a, you know, ex-graffiti artist, skateboarder, you know, all this. I actually rebel against the norm of of this new luxury world we live in, right? When you walk into a store, hello, Mr. Blazona, may I get you a latte while you shop for a sofa? Hell no, I don't want a latte. Like, I don't want a latte while I so- while I shop for a sofa, nor do I really want you to call me Mr. Blazona, right? Like, like there's a part of me, but, but I... I still want luxury. I still want quality, right? But I don't want all that foo-foo-ness that goes around with, you know, luxury. So, so I think that there's something that, that, you know, we try to convey. It's a really difficult thing to convey, you know, through photography, through words. You know, I'm constantly telling my team, no retail speak. Do not speak retail. Speak like you would speak to your friends. Now, maybe you're not dropping F-bombs and, and all that, but, but we are kind of communicating in a way that we wished that we were communicated to. And I think that there's real value in that. And I think what, what you were really asking is, how does that lead back to, you know, my, my design, you know, what, you know, what we sell, how we sell it and all that. And I, you see that little, there's little nuances, you know, our, our sofa names, you know, couch potato, OG couch potato, you know, these are, these are terms that are kind of dear to us that, that we all know what they mean. But, but let me tell you, restoration hardware is not calling their stuff, you know, couch potato and OG anything and and all that, you know, I mean, it's just, that's just not in their, you know, in their brand vocabulary, but it is for us. And, and so we hope that that conveys and all our messaging conveys this somewhat rebellious as we can be yet, you know, still at the end of the day, let you know that we're not going to steal your credit card and, you know, and go running off with it. We're actually going to send you a badass piece of furniture that, you know, will fit in any luxury home. I'll tell you a fun story that, that, you know, happened uh, along the way. I used to do all my own local deliveries. I did this like in my truck, right? Like my own pickup truck in the Bay Area. I thought, okay, I will, you know, it's cost us like, let's say $200, $250 to, to deliver in the Bay Area, to deliver a sofa from the Bay Area warehouse into their home. 
$150, like that's, that's no chump change, right? So I thought, okay, I will deliver all my own Bay Area sofas in the back of my pickup truck. I already own one, right? And so I would go to these people's homes and, you know, I'd show up, I'm already here to make your delivery, sir. You know, how can I help? You know, that kind of thing. And people would say to me the strangest things. They would say, you know, I'm sorry, but we paid, you know, for white glove delivery, you know, and, and, and I, and I, look, I, I have every order on my phone, you know, I didn't tell them who I was. I didn't tip my hat. Right. I, but I would say, well, sir, I'm sorry. You know, um, my paperwork, you know, like my paperwork. Yeah. Right. Right. My paperwork here shows, you know, I, I, uh, you only have curbside delivery, but I'm a nice guy. I'm happy to help you carry it inside. We can carry it in together. We'll unbox it together. We'll carry it in together, which is no small feat. Like that's that's a time-consuming, long process. And so, you know, uh, they would say all kinds of stuff. Well, I paid. I need to talk to your boss, and you know all that kind of. Well, he's not available. That kind of thing. And so I would help them at the end of the day. I'd help them carry it in, or I'd even carry it in for them on dollies and all that. And I would always lean in at the end. I would lean in, you know, and I'd say, well, you know, it was nice meeting you, Mr. Johnson. Uh, I'm Edgar Blazona. I'm the designer and owner of the brand. I put out my hand, you know, to shake their hand. And, you know, they look at me like, first of all, I'm not shaking the delivery guy's hand, right? And then on top of that, they'd be like, uh, oh God, I don't know what to do. You know, I just lied, basically. I just told him all this story. He knows that, you know, I didn't have white glove delivery. I made a big stink about it, you know, and, and all that. And I would I would always get away and get in the truck and I would drive away and I'd be like, that's one for the delivery guys, right? Like that jerk will never do that again because he, he doesn't know necessarily who's delivering his stuff and who's not. So that's that's a that's a fun one. People always ask me, you know, how can they, you know, find out more about my brand and all that? And, and what should I do, you know? And, and I, of course I tell them, go to Benchmade Modern. But the thing that I always say is, go to our swatch, uh, free swatches, right? You can click on this button and we send you a giant box. It's got a hundred swatches in it. Um, it's a huge 14 by 14 box. I send it second day air. You wonder why I send it second day air, right? It's, it's a signal, right? It, this is a marketing play, right? What we do is we send you this box second day air and we get it into your door. It's kind of a signal saying we mean business like like and then you get all these janky little envelopes with these little teeny swatches from everyone else as you wait and you remember at the back like those guys sent me that big giant box and so that's that's part of that process. Another thing we do, you know, and, and a lot of people miss this, but we we if you go to our product pages, you can hit a print button. We actually send you a giant piece of paper, full scale piece of paper of your sofa, whatever custom size sofa that you ordered, huge piece of paper, a corner sectional, whatever. And you lay it out on the floor and you can see like, does my husband fit in between the arms? Can he lay down in between the arms, take a nap? Does my family fit on it? Does it fit in the room? Will the sofa fit here with my chair? All of that. We send that all to you. And again, going back to like, like, you know, for you, it's this great piece of, 
you know, of, 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 of paper that really kind of seals a deal. But for us, it's again, more signaling, right? More signaling to say, we mean business, we're quality. And again, we're not just going to take a credit card and run with it. Right. And, and so I think that's part of, you know, our whole thing is to, you know, really get you to the site and, 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 and give you this stuff and really make you comfortable with the purchase. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.